Yo, what's up, everybody? It's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, the keeper of the peace, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross and Randy Jowers. Guys, tonight is episode four, titled Dallas Players Club. In a few minutes, we're going to have on Dallas Wolfolk, who was a player at Ole Miss, and he is currently in the Oakland A's baseball organization. He's a big-time baseball player, guys. That's another one of many baseball studs that we've had on, on the show. I'm excited. But before we bring Dallas into the mix, Randy, my man, how was the weekend? You know, the weekend was good. As you know, had to work the Tigers game, 20th season for me in the Liberty Bowl Stadium. Shout so, out to uh, Randy. 20 years? 20 years, man. bro. Man. Take, what a journey it's been. That means, yeah, man, we've gone through a revolution. (laughs) You know what that was about. Yeah. Uh, You know, but yeah, it was good. It looks a little different now. Fans are uh, not as, not as many of them as, well, there's more than there was in Larry Porter. Let's give it that. Um, (laughs) And Sunday, I got to be real with you guys, man. Sunday, I sat up in my new room, bro, turned off the lights, turned on football. I didn't do nothing except for text DB a little bit just to show off my my screen that's it man and show off did you i'm i'm jealous like it is a legit setup you got the little putting green in there you got a nice looking couch you got the projection screen you got Bruh, nba now I, got, I got a i got a chipping thing too a little net boy i've been practicing the next bartlett tournament they invite me to is going down oh shoot man that's what's up jim what about you man how was the weekend well, surprisingly well, considering a certain someone predicted a forecast of dark and gloomy, and I was able to survive that and have a fantastic weekend in the sports world. And then for us in this podcast and the things moving forward, we obviously got some big phone calls with some big opportunities. And one of them's actually tomorrow. I know you asked about the weekend, but I'd be remiss if I didn't plug, you know, what's coming up. And that is – Tomorrow, signing day, the Patriots way. Been providing an opportunity. We had Brady Tigert on the show. Well, him, Gray Bain, and Braden Sanders, who's signing with Ole Miss, as I'm sure Dallas could appreciate, will be signing tomorrow. And in off the bench is getting the exclusive interview, and it's going to be streamed live with who we're going to be working with, which is Real Life TV. And you can find this at R-E-E-L-Y-F-E-T-V dot calm so big weekend sports wise and then big things coming up for us in this podcast nice nice yeah exciting stuff big stuff um you know um for me the weekend was filled with a lot of anguish i tried to relax i tried to rest um but the sports world with the exception of the tigers uh, just didn't really pan out for me too much. Uh, it was a lot of a lot of heartbreak, but we'll we'll talk more about that, you know, later on. But I don't want to spend too much time digging in early on that. We got our guests here ready to roll. We got Ole Miss baseball star and current Oakland A's prospect Dallas Wolfolk in the house. Dallas, my man, what's up? What's up? Thank y'all for having me. Yeah, man, we're glad to have you, man. It's it's good to get a chance to finally meet you, finally talk to you. 
Um, but let's jump into this. I want to start from the beginning because I was always told the beginning is a great place to start. <laughs> yep. So, you know, to walk me through, where are you from? Where'd you grow uh, up? I grew up in South Haven, Mississippi, uh, born and raised here. Gotcha. So for those people listening, South Haven is, is up and coming. Is it established? Big city, small city? What are we looking at? Uh, it's up and coming. It's near Memphis, Tennessee. So usually when somebody asks me where I'm from, I usually say Memphis, Tennessee, but you got to put South Haven on the map. Yeah, man. So from a small town, South Haven, it's up and coming. Were you always a baseball player or were you a multi-sport athlete? How did you get involved with baseball or sports in general? So I started playing baseball when I was probably like seven years old. Uh, actually, my grandfather got me into it. And I really, really got really interested when uh, I lived in this neighborhood and all the kids, we used to play wolfie ball in the backyard. And I just found the love through it by uh, playing wolfie ball all the time. And so I decided to join a rec team. Started with rec from seven to nine, started playing competitive then. But actually I started racing BMX, BMX bikes when I was six years old. And then uh, I played football growing up and all that. I ended BMX racing about 12 because I wanted to focus more on uh, baseball and then I joined uh, football when I was in seventh grade played basketball too so I think I've done a little bit of all of it honestly. So you talked about your grandfather but tell, talk to me about your family dynamics in general like who did mm -hmm. you grow up with did you have brothers and sisters what, what did your home life look like? So my mom and dad uh my dad played football. He raced drag cars and all that. Um, I have a sister who's 12 years older than me, so it was more of like they supported me in everything I did. They didn't play baseball or anything, so I just found the love through it by other teammates and friends, and I just enjoyed playing the game. And you talk about this racing background. You raced BMX. You said your dad yeah. raced Man, what what was that like racing BMX? I, f I feel like that would be way more strenuous and really tough, much more tough to do as a kid than just playing baseball. Dude, BMX was probably the funnest things I've ever done in my life. Uh, I started when I was six, like I said, and then uh, there's this track called Cherry Valley in South Haven. I started off there. And then I just loved the competing aspect of it, um, just winning. So for the first six months, I didn't lose a race. And then I became a novice and got sponsored. And that was awesome. And then I started traveling to other states and competing against other guys and races. And what's funny is my mom used to have to bring my birth certificate to races because other parents didn't believe I was the age to race in that group. So I got a kick out of that when I used to go to like out of town races. Man, I, I got to ask you because I, I have the slightest clue as to what is a BMX race? Like um, from start to finish, talk to me about what that looks like. Basically, it's uh, like motocross, but without, you know, you have a bike instead of a, a dirt bike or whatever. And, and then you start in this, you start in a gate and you go down a hill and it's just like a dirt track or could have uh concrete turns or whatever but it's almost just like a like a dirt bike race but without the length the length is shorter 
So you're you're jumping hills and jumping ramps, going through turns, passing people, all that good stuff. Pedal to the metal. Nice, nice. With all these sports, how did you, you know, how did you decide baseball? Was it just something that you 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 picked and you were the best at, or you just enjoyed it more? How did baseball come to be the sport that you excelled at? Well, actually, I always loved every sport I played. I loved being with teammates. I love competing, like I said. But in BMX racing, I knew that it would be a harder career. And I just didn't like, you had to be 16 to become a pro. I was only 11, 10, 11 when I was a novice. So I had to become an expert after that. So I thought to myself, what can I make a career out of? And I knew baseball would be ideal. Um, I always threw hard when I was growing up and I knew that that would be a way to become a professional at something. Oh, at a young age, you, you said, Hey, I got to look for the future and say, you know, BMX, this ain't going to be it. I'm going to, I'm going to try this baseball thing, man. You're way more mature than I was. Cause (laughs) I I would have just been like, I'm good at this bike stuff. I'm going to just rock that out until, until I can't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. But you, you mentioned you started in, in rec ball, then, you know, you started moving towards competitive ball. Yeah. What were some of the teams that you played for growing up? Uh, in rec ball, I don't remember all the names, but my first competitive team was the DeSoto Cardinals, which was nine. And then I went to the South Haven Panthers midway through that first year of playing competitive and played with – the Southampton Panthers from when I was nine to 11 and then 12 uh, Mississippi Mustangs. And then about the end of that 12 year old season, I uh, joined the Mississippi Royals with Austin Riley, Keegan James and all of them. So. Yeah, they're, they're pretty good. So I hear. <laughs> yeah, they're not too bad. So, you know, were you the best player? Like I, I look at you and I'm like, man, he's a he played for Ole Miss. He, you know, as a pro baseball player, he must have been the best player on all of his teams. Was that the case? I wouldn't necessarily say the best. Uh, from a young age, I've always had to work really hard towards my goals. And so I knew that there was people out there bigger and better than me. And so I always knew that. So I made sure on a daily effort just to put in enough work and more to be better than those guys out there that were better than me. I don't know about bigger than you. I've seen you work out. You're, I had to tell you the one day I walked by you and I said, you do realize you play baseball, right? Like over there slinging the 110-pound dumbbells around. I've seen you. Got to get uh, big. Exactly. But let's transition to high school. What high school did you go to? Uh, I went to DeSoto Central in uh, South Haven, Mississippi. And for those that don't know, is that a big school, a small school? Uh, 6A, pretty big school. All right, and so what I know and some people may not know is about the talent level and, and in the time in which you started there where, where a dynasty was basically built. What's the, what's the talent level like there? Uh, there are, the talent that's came out of there is unreal. From my class to classes before me and after me and all that, they, we have really built something special at DeSoto Central. Yeah, absolutely. I tell people all the time when we talk to any of – the guys who've came through there, it's the best ticket in town. You're not going to get, uh, you know, a better experience watching high school baseball for sure. 
who would you say, and I have an idea who you're going to say, but you don't have to say it. Who was the best player on your team? Austin Riley. Are you sure? sure. Uh, Austin or me? <laughs> Austin could pitch and hit, so he got me in the hitting aspect. I got you. I got you. All right, and so for you, not not as a team, but for you, what was your best season personally? My senior year most – most definitely. Uh, I had the most fun. I pitched. I started actually my senior year. I was more of a closer when I was a junior and sophomore, um, but senior year most definitely. All right. And so with that, and I got to ask the question that I pretty much know the answer to already, but what was the best season for the team? <laughs> my senior year or our senior year. Right. And so y'all obviously brought home the state title. What was that like? It was unreal. Um, the year before, my junior year, 2014, we came up short, placed second against a really good Oak Grove team who just outpitched us, honestly, and outplayed us. But senior year, we came back and fought our way all the way through, and then we faced Oak Grove again. And we wanted it, and we knew that we had the talent, but we just had to make sure we worked hard in the offseason. And if we worked hard, then our dreams would come true of winning the state. That sounds awesome. Yeah. So who would you say was probably the – not the biggest conversation. Let's go with rival. Who was the biggest rival in the time in which you were there for D.C.? Uh, Northwest Rankin. We played them in North half two years in a row and put them out, and they always played us like the World Series. Like every game was hard fought. From we, You had to play pitch to pitch to beat them. If you took a pitch off, they were going to beat you. And so playing teams like that, you feel like made y'all better in the long run for sure? Absolutely. All right. So when in your high school career did you know that you had the talent for the next level? Probably my sophomore year. Um, I hit 90 miles an hour, which was huge back then as a sophomore. And I knew I had a big arm, but I needed to – figure out how to throw more strikes and develop a secondary pitch to get more guys out. And so it was more towards junior year also that I started getting more looks from colleges and then senior year. Going into my senior year, uh, more pro scouts started reaching out and talking to me. And so that, that gave me a clue that, hey, you're good enough to go to the next level. You just got to put the, put the work in, keep your head right, and you can accomplish anything you put your mind to. Yeah, it sounds like you clearly did that. What was that second pitch you developed? Uh, slider. So it's pretty nasty? I like to think so. <laughs> I hear you. All right, so what all schools pursued you? Um, a few SEC schools, a lot of JUCOs. Um, I got a lot of interest from, like, JUCOs, SEC schools, uh, NAIA schools, stuff like that. But I was really wanting to go to an SEC school, and uh, Ole Miss was the one I really wanted to go to. And God made a plan, and he put me there. Yeah, I love it. So what did – you know, tell those who don't know what that may look like, what does the recruiting process look like when you're talking to them? Um. So if they like you, they reach out to you, they send you an email or they say, hey, uh, we're going to come watch a game. If you do well or they see that you have potential to play at the next level, they'll shoot you an email, text, whatever, and then uh, you're going to visit to whatever school that is. And then 
usually if you go on a visit, they're going to make you an offer. You either accept or you decline. And the first time I went on a visit to Ole Miss, I accepted what they gave me. So it was meant to be. So when the scouts came, did you get excited for that or did you get nervous? Uh, I loved it. I loved the whole process of being recruited. It was just it was just a blessing, honestly. I just enjoyed when scouts, pro scouts, college scouts came and watched me because it made me feel like, hey, you put the work in. You deserve to go to the next level. Sounds about right. Sounds good. So last question I got for you is you keep saying, you know, you knew Ole Miss, you knew God had a plan, but what was – what was the defining moment? What what hit you that said this has got to be it? Uh, when I stepped on the campus campus at Ole Miss, it just it just felt like home. It was where I needed to be, and that's honestly what drove me to Ole Miss was when I stepped on campus. This this is home. This is where I want to be. Yeah, that's what's up. So I've spent some time down in Oxford myself. It's beautiful, but. Obviously, you say what you can put your mind to. I put my mind to going there, too, and playing. It didn't work out for me, Dallas. <laughs> Couldn't even make the Bolton baseball team. That's the story for another day. But uh, let's talk about being in Oxford and take us through, for those that didn't have that experience, what was a day like for you on campus in Oxford, Mississippi? Um, in the fall, it was pretty chill. It wasn't as hard as the spring. But in the fall, you either had to take 12 to 15 hours, so – Normally, I'd go to class from 8, 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. and then have a tutor and then go to the field, which would be about 2-ish, 2.15, and then from 2.15 to 5-ish, you had practice, and then you had workouts after. So, so that was – I'm sorry, go ahead. That was usually the fall schedule, and then the spring you got the same thing, but you got traveling, you got missing classes, you got road trips and all that. Was there ever a moment that you kind of felt like uh, a small fish in a big pond, or did you just feel comfortable day one with your talent and ability? Uh, the first day, I definitely felt like what you just said. Um, I knew that once you went to the next level that the talent would get closer to what you are and be better. People would have better strengths than you and all that. So I did feel like that at the beginning, but I knew if I worked hard in the weight room and showed the coaches and everybody, like, if you work hard to what to what you want, then you can accomplish anything, like I said before. Yeah, absolutely. So kind of you took us through the day. Take us through, you know, what each season was like for you personally, like your maturation and what it took to get you where you're at. Um, freshman year, I was only put in situations to succeed. I had, like, 16 innings. Um, my mechanics were also, therefore, my pitching in the strike zone wasn't always there. But they, I, I think I did well. Um, it was fun. And then my sophomore year, actually, after my freshman year, I went to Baltimore. I was supposed to pay. I was supposed to play in the Cape, but I knew I wouldn't get to play much, so I went to uh, Baltimore. And that pitching coach there literally built me from the ground up. Um, I redefined myself. My mechanics cleaned up and. Like I said, I always threw hard. My freshman year, I would throw anywhere from 91 to 97. Don't know which one I'm going to hit that day. And then the my sophomore year, uh, I averaged 95 miles an hour. So by cleaning up my mechanics and working hard, I I did really well my sophomore year. Well, good. So what team was your best team you played on at Ole Miss? Um, 
either my junior or freshman year. Freshman year, we had some studs. Sophomore year, we had it, but we just couldn't put it together through the seasons. And then junior year was, was really good, won the SEC tournament and then made the regionals. So, Who was the best player you played against at Ole Miss? Oh, that's a hard one. Um, this ain't easy, baby. No. A, a hitter that I not feared, but when I knew that he stepped in the box, he was going to put a good swing on it was Greg Deitman, who's actually in the A's organization who played at LSU. But, yeah, he was a guy that you didn't want to miss over the plate to him. Yeah, no, absolutely. So who? So that's the best player. What about the best team? It may, maybe it's the same team. Ooh, that's a hard one. Florida, sophomore year, Florida, they were good. I Look, think man, we don't. Let up. me tell you what we don't do on this podcast. We never say anything good about Florida. Okay. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> Vandy. No, <I> just, <laughs> yeah, no, I'm. Yeah, I was. I was thinking that Vandy's always <laughs> tough. I always see him. Yeah. Um, all right, so we talked about how you knew from high school that you kind of knew you had it. When in college did you think, man, I could take this to the next level and I could make some money doing this? Uh, my sophomore year, um, I was 94, 97. We actually played in the uh, Astros Dome in some tournament my sophomore year, and I was 94, 97. Struck out probably one of the best hitters in the S – oh, not the SEC, but in college baseball from TCU. Um and I just knew that, hey, like, I love closing. I love that mentality you got to have. And it just – I knew that if I wanted to play at the next level, I had to be a closer. And I also played for Team USA uh, after my sophomore year. And I knew that if you played with that type of people, you had some, you had some pretty good talent. Yeah, no doubt. I'm going a little bit off script, man. If you have a walkout song, you're closing, what is it? Uh, bad company, definitely. That's what I walked oh, out to. About five finger death punch. I oh, I know it, brother. I know it. <laughs> I know it. So uh, you said that one year you didn't get to go play in the Cape. Did you ever get to play in the Cape? I did not. I played in Baltimore, and then my after my sophomore year, like I said, I played for Team USA, which is yeah. the best of the best. Oh yeah, no doubt. So where you drafted for those listening, and and where? Uh, 13th round, I don't know the exact pick. I think it was like 400 and something. But uh, to the Oakland Athletics. What was that like, man? What was that feeling like to hear your name? Dude, it was such a blessing. The scout called me that was uh, going to draft me, and he gave me the offer and said, would I take it? And I was just saying yes before he even said anything. <laughs> My hand was shaking on the phone and everything. It was just a true blessing from God. Were they the only team interested that night or the first one and you were all, all over it? Uh, they were the first one. I, I just wanted to play pro ball. I, I just wanted to go <laughs> and just get away and just play professional baseball. Yeah, it's such an interesting dynamic. I think I would be the same way as you, but, like, first one that calls, <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, let's go. But, you know, some people, like, they get strategic about what they're going to do. Yeah. That's how I, I ended up on this podcast. <laughs> first one to call. <laughs> I would have taken Free a plane Asian. ticket, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's let's talk about playing pro ball. What's the difference between playing high-level SEC ball and playing pro ball like you're doing now? Pro ball and SEC ball. Um, SEC is – that's the best of the best in college. I, that's my opinion. Um, 
SEC prepares you for professional baseball. Um, those players, like one through five, one through four on the SEC team is your, your, your guys. But in pro ball, one through nine could be they're the best of the best. So you can't take a pitch off in pro ball, whereas maybe in college that you may see that you're not focusing pitch by pitch, where in pro ball you have to be locked in every pitch or somebody's taking you deep if you miss. Yeah, that sounds intimidating to me. Yeah, you said one through nine, no no margin for error. It's definitely yep. a whole different level. So, you know, what was that first day, first week like? Walk us through what it's like when you when you get there to be a part of a pro a baseball team. Um, the first day is usually you have your physicals and all that. Once that's cleared and you're good to play, the first game is just unreal, man. Um, just seeing. The jersey, you're playing professional baseball. It's just – it honestly feels like you're in a dream, like you're living in a dream. And all the things that you've worked hard for your entire childhood has finally come true, and it's it's just amazing. Well, one of the things I was talking about was seeing you all year working out, and I know the reason why. And so when we talk about your dream, we know that it's been put on pause. What was it like, you know – to be to have to stay prepared knowing that there wasn't going to be a season last year um so i'll give you a little story we spring training was in march we're there for a week i throw two good bullpens um and then we all get sent home so we didn't really know what was going to happen after that we didn't know if there's going to be a season maybe we pick up in a month or two we just didn't really know and they just said hey just stay ready to come back and play and then when we finally figured out that we weren't going to have a season, it was it was a bummer. But I felt like us minor leaguers, we really took the the edge to stay in shape, to throw our bullpens, to figure out what we needed to work on. And I feel like I wanted to play, but taking this year and redefining myself within my mechanics, my diet, and all that has really helped me. Because this coming up year, I know all the work I've been putting in will pay off. So, bro, you done redefined yourself a few times in this podcast. Yes, I love I it. Know. I know. Lo- hey, look, I'm like, I'm like, I'm pushing 40, and I don't think I redefined myself yet. I'm we got to reevaluate this. ourselves. Yeah, bro. Hold New up. values. Yeah, man, I like it. I need to come kick it with you. Randy, <laughs> on, on my to-do list, I just added redefine myself, and then – a um, year from now, I put it on my planner to redefine myself again. <laughs> you got to do hey, it again to keep up with Dallas. Yeah. Hey, hey, I'm a different person. I like ate a, I ate a whole person when I was five years ago. Hey, but look, uh, so obviously talked about the kind of – and we've had a couple guys on to talk about what it's like, especially in the minors. Uh, John, uh-huh. John, John, last weekend, John Bolin and – so, coming into this season, I talked to him a little bit, but where do you think? Do you think there's going to be a season this next year? Uh, I think since they figured out the major league part with all the testing and all the guidelines, I'm praying that there will be a season. I don't see why there wouldn't be. Hey, you're redefined, Dallas. It's time, buddy. <laughs> yeah. It's time. So, yep. <laughs> are there any talks on when it'll start? Is it going to be March just like normal? Uh, I've heard rumors where – you have big league who start first, but depending on where you're going to be is when you're going to be sent out. But nobody knows really at this moment. Um, I'm hoping it's March. Hoping yeah. it's no later. I'm ready to get back and start playing again. Yeah. So where will you start? Do you think? Uh, honestly, I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping. 
high is my goal, and then from high to go to double A, and then double A to the bigs. That's that's where I'm striving to be. Well, I was going to ask you what your expectation is, but I can see right now it's like you're looking to make – let's go bigs, baby. I'm trying to close. <laughs> yes. Five-finger death punch, get it ready, baby. Yes, sir. So I don't need to ask my final question was, are you ready? It looks like you're ready to go out and pitch a session tomorrow. Right now I'm ready. Let's roll. Hey, well, none of us can hit, so you ain't going to get none of us in the box. That's fine. Well, before, well, I'll before turn you, you over move, to DB. He's, yeah, as I say, before you move on, I will say this uh, – Dallas, tell us about what you've been doing with those uh, those young kids, training them up. Um, I coach a 11 AAA team from DeSoto County. Um, that's been a blessing. I give pitching lessons Monday through Thursday to ages from 9 to 17 years old. Um, I started coaching this past June or July. The team asked me to be the head guy, and I never really thought about being a head coach of a team, but just being out there and watching kids compete and seeing their pure joy for the game really, really inspired me to not take what I have for granted, to always know that, hey, this is a game, this is fun, you're supposed to enjoy it and not dwell on the past or the future, just be in the present moment focused at all times like the, the little kids. And it was just, it was a blessing. They actually won the state championship in Mississippi this year, and it was just, it was just awesome to see their joy. So, like, talk me through, like, that emotion. Like, you invest yourself into these kids and you teach and you coach and you love on them. And to see them work hard for you and, and reach, I guess, the ultimate goal, which was to win that state championship. What is it like being on the other side, being the coach of that and witnessing that happen? Is it, is it more rewarding and more satisfying than actually winning it yourself? Um, it's rewarding because you're the coach. That's your goal. Your goal is to develop a team to be successful on and off the field. But I think it takes more as a player to win because it's, or yes, because you're having to play with a team and it's a team job to win a, a championship. So the kids do all the work, but you're there to guide them in the right direction and give them the, the good advice or pick them up when they're down. So I think that's where coaching comes into play is understanding how to read your kids and your players and knowing when they're upset or when they need to be calmed down because they're so, so ready to go out there and compete, but you got to know each and every player is a little different. I gotcha. I'm trying, I'm trying to hold my, my giggle in because I'm, I'm picturing you throwing BP to these kids. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and throwing lasers in there and they're just um, standing there at first it was hard to throw bp because i'm so used to just throwing as hard as i could so it took a lot of practice to get good at my bp i've actually pegged a few kids hey and, and a lot of people don't know this when you're used to throwing to a catcher and then you throw bp to no catcher like yep. it, there's some like fine tuning that really has to happen to make to make good throws it's a different right. skill. Like, I had yeah. to – I couldn't pick up my leg to throw BP. I literally had to just plant my feet and basically throw it from my ear. So, I couldn't have no normal arm action or mechanics. It was just, like, almost like throwing a dart. So, These I kids can are like, throw BP better than a pro pitch is what I just heard. <laughs> probably, honestly. With but, my BP, yes. 
the kids are watching you throw BP and they're like, this guy? This guy? Yeah, this guy. <laughs> yep. No, and man. I'll peg a kid on on accident and they're like, you play professional baseball. You, you, you don't need to be hitting kids. I'm like, I'm sorry. Oh, man, that's that's funny. Yeah. Um Man, we're we're gonna we're gonna play a quick little game before we get you out of here. Are okay. you, you down to play? You got some time? Yeah, for sure. All right, so it's called this or that, and it's pretty simple. I give you two options. You pick one or the other. The only rules are you can't say both and you can't say neither. You have to pick one of the options. Okay, I think All I right. can do it. <laughs> All right, man. So. Given the fact that you play in the Oakland A's organization, are you? Would you rather be a metrics guy, or would you rather just play the game straight up? Play the game straight up. So, so talk to me about that, and we're gonna we're gonna have some conversations about some of these, and this is one. Okay. Of them. Um, I live in Tampa, so I the Rays are are, are probably as good as you can get at metrics and mm -hmm. putting guys in positions and playing certain players based on percentages and numbers. Absolutely. Um, do you ever think, and I probably would guess the answer to this because you're playing in the organization that believes in it, but do you think that that can win championships long-term? Maybe one, yes, but is that something that can sustain championships? Uh. I think, yes, um, it is data that you can use for your benefit. It can show you clues to what hitters are doing, where you need to place guys and all of that. So I think it's a good tool to use to help you win championships. Gotcha. So you mentioned Austin Riley and you mentioned he was a hitter. Um, and something that you, you didn't necessarily have, but you could throw the throw that thing. So yeah. I ask you this, would you rather hit for the cycle or would you rather throw a perfect game? Oh, perfect game. Would you rather be in a big market or a small market? Big market. Why? Um, good question. Um, he wants everybody knowing that name. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, small market, Don't people really don't know you or they may know you, but when you're in a big market, you are the guy. Everybody knows you, and that's, that's basically it. Do you think the, the small market inevitability of moving to a different team may be something that subconsciously you're like, yeah, I'd rather be in a big market because I could be financially stable in a place longer than I could be in a small market? Absolutely, yes. So would you rather live the baseball life and make no money, or would you rather be really smart and make lots of money? Uh, play the baseball life and make no money. Boo. <laughs> <laughs> would you rather go back in the past or fast forward to the future? Um. Go back in the past. Maybe your senior year. What is <laughs> what is more rewarding? Um, being a player or being a coach? Being a player. Why? Um, because you're 
day in and day out, you have to push yourself harder and harder to get better. And when you do have that moment to shine and you've put the work in, then that comes out. And I think that's probably one of the most rewarding things of why you should work hard is for when those opportunities do come up, you can thrive in them. So I couldn't answer that question any better. Wow. <laughs> he reinvented himself right then. Yes, he did. <laughs> Daniel, would you have answered the same as somebody who played and coached? Uh, no, um, but I wasn't nearly as gifted as Dallas is. And if, well, no, if I was true. Yeah. If I was, if I was at the level that he was, uh, he's at, then maybe my answer would be different, but um I found a lot more gratification as a coach than as a player. Um, I Dallas, like he's being humble. This man had a – he looked like Mariano Rivera. He's lying to you. <laughs> That's awesome. No, far far from it, but – Inner Sandman was not his walkout song. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so would you – this? all right, so this question is one of our staple questions that we ask everybody, and this will – let us know what kind of person you truly are. Okay. Oh, I'm listening. Would you <laughs> rather have money or would you rather have friends? We know friends. the answer. We know the answer by your hesitation. No yes, he saying. hesitated a long time. Man. My man. <laughs> I think what he was doing is he was thinking about all his friends in his head and thinking how mad they would be if he didn't say friends. Daniel, throw, throw the word fame in there with the money. Money and fame. Money and fame. Friends all day. Oh, man. You well, don't need material things in your life. Randy, you let him know. <laughs> Look, I mean, I saw Dallas looking around. He must have friends in the kitchen like, yo, yo, yo. Uh, my wife's sitting next to me. <laughs> oh, she's not your friend, bro. She's not your friend. As somebody that's on my second wife, let me tell you. No, I'm just kidding. I joke, I joke. She's she's probably slapping them. Saying, she's like, Man, you better, you get better that take bread. that money. You better yeah. get that bread. That's what she tells me all the time. <laughs> Absolutely. Oh, man. All right, this is the last question before we cut you loose. Oh, I'm so excited. Is D.C. better when you played or after you played? Uh, when I played, I've been asked this question before from a lot of people, and I'm going with my class, and I will give you the reason why. So well, hold on now. So before you give me the reason, I'm just going to tell you, DC. We've had some folks on here. Let's call them out. Hey, no, let's call them out. Cameron James, Dylan Hill, Alex Frillman have all said it's not even close. Okay. So tell me, you tell me why it's with. Your team. Pitching and defense wins championships. And we were to take my class and his class or their class and play a three-game series. We're beating them two out of three with our starting pitchers. If, they, yes, they did hit better than us, but we were, we were going to outpitch them. Who would win in wiffle ball? Oh, definitely us. <laughs> <laughs> so, hypothetically speaking, if in off the bench – did a three-game series with the old DC Cats and the new DC Cats. You got you, you think you guys would sweep them, take two right off the top and be done? Absolutely. 
Okay. Cameron said half your team's like cops now, or maybe it was Dylan, but they said <laughs> half of them lazy now. Uh, they might be, but if we were to take us then and bring to the future of now, I think we're definitely going to beat them two out of three. Well, hey, I, I would like to see that because there's a lot of talk, a lot of chirping and a lot of chatter back and forth about those teams in particular. Just just the talent level and the guys that played on those teams. And they all say, well, my team was the best. My team was well, the best. Daniel, so the I, best person to bring on, we just bring on Gig, uh, Greg James. You know, he had Keegan. And, <laughs> he, he would definitely argue that. <laughs> yeah, and so he's got, he's got a son on each one. I think the next uh, podcast or show, y'all should bring him on. Well, I mean, they kind of had the mic drop moment. They were like, bro, just count these rings. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's, that's, okay. that's what they said. Fair enough. But, hey, I, I'm not taking a side, Dallas. You reinvented <laughs> yourself. they played, though, were they as good as the ones we played? See, you can only be who they put in front of you, baby. You know? I ex- I agree. That, that's true. I'm sure that you were rooting for them, though, Ran- when they were Randy, playing. I think Daniel's still saying his Bolton team – could beat both of them. That's what I heard. Uh, yeah. He said we're taking two out of three every time. Every time. Absolutely I, not. Look, <laughs> if I'm going to bet on anybody, I'm going to bet on myself first. So <laughs> you could take that to the bank. Well, Dallas, man, we're going to let you run. Um, you know, it's 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 been a blast. We had a good time. We appreciate you being on here, and we want to thank you, man. So uh, we hope to – get you back on talking about the season we're 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 hoping we're we're optimistic about the season so if you can come back on talk to us about how it went and you know we wish you all the best if there's anything we can do man just just let us know we'd be more than happy to plug promote put anything out there and before we cut you loose is there anything you want to plug or promote no just thank y'all for having me and uh god bless yeah man all right this was Dallas Wolfolk. Uh, we're going to take a break, pay some bills, plug them sponsors. Man, when we come back, we got Randy's Riches. He's going to teach you how to make that money. Jim's going to do some rants. He's going to blow that whistle. I'm going to give the That's What's Up Award, and we're going to do some headlines. Yo, welcome back to the End Off the Bench podcast. We got some headlines for you. Leading off tonight, we're going to do some golf. I know some of you want to know what I just said, but I th- I'm going to say it one more time. Golf. We're going to lead off. we got the Masters coming up starting on Thursday. Randy, you're, you're kind of my golf expert. you got the, the chipping net. you got the putting green in, in, in the room. So, like, talk to me. Um, are you excited about the Masters being in November, or would you – Rather it be, you know, in April and, and, and get the, the nice scenery and all that good stuff. I'm just happy it's happening. Obviously, we want everything to go back to normal, but Masters Week is special no matter what. And those guys, the groundskeepers and everybody down there have it looking fantastic. It doesn't even look real. It looks computer generated. And I'm just excited to see Augusta National on the big stage. So when we talk about it, who, who are our favorites? You got any odds for us, or are you just going to go straight off of, of rankings? I'm going to tell you straight up right now. Yeah, there are odds out, and I could run down through that list, but I'm giving you Randy's odds right here. Okay. This is a little Randy's riches for you a little early. I'm picking Justin Thomas. And before I say that, it's the people that do watch golf are like, Justin Thomas, he's never finished in the top ten at the Masters. I don't care. 
He is arguably the best iron player in the world. And every year he's played in the Masters, he's gotten better. So I'm going Justin. My favorite player, my favorite player is Dustin Johnson. Tied for second last year. Nobody even remembers because, obviously, Tiger came back and won. Um, so those are my two picks. I think, you know, Bryson, DeChambeau, obviously those, you know, he's going to be odds on. Rory's going to make some noise. I'm just excited it's going to happen, and I cannot wait for Thursday. Yeah, so when I think about this, and I think the, the question is, has to be asked is, does Tiger have a chance? No. And why do you say that? Because, I mean – we the last time he won it, we said that he didn't have a chance, and then boom, there there he is. So what what is different about this year? I I'm just not feeling it, DB. I'm just not feeling it. I just feel like um, Tiger completely, absolutely has changed the sport, and he got guys like DJ and Bryson and Roar Justin, all these guys. But now, I mean, he—I mean, he even looks old. Even in golf, he looks old playing. Last year was great, and that's kind of to me. Unfortunately, I feel like that was, you know, the swan song, the last dance, if you will. So, what about someone like a Brooks Kepka? Has he got a shot? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Brooks, Brooks is great. Brooks looks like a guy that was just on with us. Dallas man's in the gym, doing work. Uh, last year, I was at the—he uh, was here at the St. Jude. And I saw him and his girl. I mean, my goodness, the guy's got it all. He's he's built up, killing the ball, beautiful girl. I mean, hey, dude's got it going on. So I think that's going to be my choice. I'm going to go Brooks. My man just shows Brooks. up. He said he shows up 10 minutes before tea time. He doesn't need to show up any earlier. I mean, it's, he's like muscle memory. He's got this. He's got, so he go, got muscles. I'm going to go Brooks. Who, who are you going again, Randy? I can only pick one. Only one. Justin Thomas. Justin Thomas. Jim, you got any say in this? You going to go Tiger Woods, Phil Mickelson, Greg no. Norman? So, you know, when March Madness comes around and people don't know anything, you know, they'll pick based upon team name or maybe the color of their uniforms, whatever justification they can give themselves. So, I went to the Masters field on Masters.com. I scrolled. They got a picture of every single player you know, mid swing. And so I'm going based upon the look since I don't know Jack and I'm going to go with Zach Johnson because he just looks like he means business. So give me that guy. I don't even know if he's good. We'll, we'll see. You guys want to throw a little gentleman's bet down? I'll say the, the player that finishes the best gets a, a adult diet Coke. <laughs> absolutely justin thomas don't let me down all right brooks kefka my man and jim you're going with zach johnson just because he looks ferocious gotta find something hey i hear you all right moving on we gotta talk some ncaa basketball the ap rankings just came out they got gonzaga uh, in the top spot randy you see anything wrong with that absolutely not Surprisingly enough, this is Gonzaga's first time to ever be the preseason number one. They've been number one a few times, as we all know. Shout out to Mark Few. What a freaking program that guy's built over there. But I don't I don't have any issue with them being number one. Isn't that, isn't that strange? They they have figured I don't know if it's 
they or recruiting or what it is, but Mark Few has figured it out how to be competitive year after year and give themselves, a, a, honestly, a shot at winning it all every single year. Um, so, Jim, I'll ask you, looking at the ranking, is, is there anyone that is overrated, anyone that is underrated? Tennessee, no, I'm just kidding. Shout out Rick Barnes. <laughs> Shout out. No, I mean, uh, just to, to state a team that's not in there and something that we've talked about, we like Memphis is not in there, right? Because last year they got overhyped and it didn't work for them. I like giving them something to aim for, give them a little, you know, I don't necessarily say it's a chip on the shoulder, but know that they're, you know, not seen as, as they were last year and they're going to have to work to get that acknowledgement so I just want to say that I like that they're not in it personally as a fan but you know I don't know as much as as Randy does when it comes to all this but the teams that that I know that are good from last year and retained their talent seem to be there in the top 10 so not surprised at all and you know I want to drop breaking news since we're talking about this and I didn't know if I wanted to say anything tonight but since I just got the message that came across I will be spending a couple days with Mr. Patrick Williams from Florida State to get the life of Patrick Williams for a couple days before he goes on draft night and possibly an NBA lottery pick. So I all of a sudden got college basketball fever. Man, so can you can you tell the audience when is that going to be again? So we're going to record next Monday and Tuesday with the draft being on Wednesday. And once again, I spoke about real life TV earlier. They're the ones going to have the rights to this and they'll be the ones who will, um, you know, release it. I don't, I can't tell you when they're releasing it. I imagine it'll be right then after or sometime shortly after the draft, obviously it's going to show what it was like rolling into it. And then they're going to record live um, his reaction through the draft process or through draft night. So pretty stoked about that. You know, we talk to these athletes and, and we get to really dive in deep, but never have we got to actually be a part of the process. So um, just amazing opportunity for us and, you know, real life and our podcast to, to be a part of that. Yeah, man, that's awesome. You get to spend, so you're getting to spend day and night for a few days with him. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of nights, man, got to give a shout out to Miss Knight. <laughs> shout out, Miss Knight. Long time coming. Yeah, man, you gotta you gotta set it up. We're we're back in business. We're back in business with Miss Knight. She was she was wanting to know why she had the little hiatus, but I told her not to worry. It was gonna it, she was coming back. So we're gonna be strong with Miss Knight. So just be ready for that. Um, you know, talking about this season and and as we we go through college football, we're, we're starting to find out that COVID and the pandemic is really making things very difficult. And with college basketball, we got these preseason tournaments where teams are starting to pull out. Um, Jim, is, is there, is there going to be some concern that we even have a season? I know last season we didn't have our, our tournaments that we wanted to have, but do you think that we're looking at something similar to that where we're not able to have a tournament or even a season? We possibly could be, but I think it's simple. You know, obviously we can't do a bubble with college basketball, but it's got to be no fans, right? That's where it's got to start. As much as we don't like that, we'd rather have no fans than no basketball. So that's got to be the first and foremost thing. They've got to just 
you know, eat that and take it for what it is. And then the testing, you know, as we've seen with professional sports, um, college football, they've got to, they've got to be on top of it. I mean, these kids, um, the mandatory testing and they got to go through protocol. We've, you know, we've even seen that some with the, some of the professional sports, some have, you know, been very negligent in their actions. And so with college basketball, if they want to have a season, they're going to have to be responsible. I mean, I, Randy, what do you, what do you think about this? College football, is it, is it the fan, like you, is it the fans that we're worried about or is it just college kids going out being college kids? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And honest to goodness, I mean, I know that it seems like I tie everything back to money, but college basketball, can they afford to have a season without fans when more than half of the revenue comes from that? And some of this college basketball, you know, they don't, they're, they're, they don't make money. I mean, you know, we, we've we've been down this road, especially small teams. So without fan, I just don't know. Is it worth it to that athletic department to even have a season? And then if teams start dropping out, what does that mean for the bigger schools like Kentucky or Tennessee or Duke or North Carolina? Uh, I mean, you know, you're looking at a team like like Memphis, for example. We all love them. Shout out 901. Shout out Penny Hardaway. But, I mean, we know that the athletic department is struggling. They're laying people off right now uh, because of this pandemic. So can they afford it? I mean, that's, so Randy, that's the, where my mind's going. The TV contracts for uh, especially the the Power Five, they're not nearly as big in basketball. I mean, they're they're big, but uh, the the revenue share is not because you're dispersing it so many different ways. But so, but Memphis is one of those teams where they, if their attendance isn't where it needs to be, they have to pay the Grizzlies. A right. set price like does that still hold hold true in this time or yes oh man like that so that's that's a huge amount of money to have to pay when you have no control so it's uh, agreed so it's just one more that's why that deal was so controversial uh it was not at the time because nobody really read it right they're like it doesn't matter we're gonna get to play in the footage for them uh, but as the city and the Tigers have found out through the last couple of years, through the tubby years, uh, maybe that deal's not so glamorous after all, and maybe we should have just stayed in the Bass Pro Shop. Uh, yeah, that's what I was fixing to say, man. Clear out the Bass Pro Shop. Let's get back in the pyramid. Hey, better than that, let's go back to the Coliseum, baby. It's empty. <laughs> oh, man. Could you shouldn't, be hard, shouldn't be hard getting that done deal, huh? Hey, you know what? I'm a, I'm a homer here. I've seen it happen. Let's throw a court. Right in Liberty Bowl Stadium, let's rock it. Or there's so many, like, outdoor courts where you got pickup games. Let's just let's just put one together. Let's put one out there. So, um, anything else that we're missing with college basketball? I mean, I know we're a few weeks away from the start, and – I still feel like schedules aren't intact. There's still a lot to be up in the air, but there's not a whole lot of, of movement forward um, right now. I do want to talk about one thing. Everybody, okay. and especially in college football, everybody talks about preseason polls don't matter. In college basketball, that could not be further from the truth. 52 of the 58 champions have been ranked in the preseason poll that have went on to win, right? Only four times has a champion even been ranked outside of the top 10 in the preseason polls. So shocking number, preseason polls in college basketball do and have always mattered for the most part. That's 89% of the time. So that's, that's a big number. 
And um, I want to – earlier you asked a question about most overrated teams, and I'm going to kick them because I always kick them. Uh, Kentucky, I know what everybody's going to say. They got the number one class. Uh, they're coming in at top ten. They're overrated, man, because let me tell you, they got the number one class, but only two of the six signees are five stars. Their leading scoring returner was four and a half points a game in 15 minutes, and that's a top ten team? Come on, man. Come on, you know, man. You know who I'm going to throw out there as overrated while we're at it? Baylor. What, what have they done? I think they just get it by their coach's name alone. I don't think it matters. Coaching in, in college basketball, the coach's name matters a lot. Hey, you know, what's, there's a lot to be determined. I mean, even as far as the start of the season, um, hopeful that we have some preseason tournaments. We get some basketball in a couple or in a few weeks. But, oh, man, it's, it, it could easily go south really quickly. But, guys, let's, let's jump into NFL. Um, we're going to break down this week's games. We're going to talk about next week's games and uh, what we see moving forward. But, Randy, I'll start with you. The AFC, man, we had the, the Chiefs and the Panthers. Um, Chiefs in a close game. It seems like the Chiefs keep having to bail themselves out. I mean, and I, going back to last year's playoffs, I mean, I guess that's that's their thing. But is there anything to worry about with the Chiefs? You know, I don't think so. I think Andy Reid, there used to be a lot to worry about because he would, it would always be like, see, there's Andy Reid again. But I think once you get over that proverbial hump, I think that this is who they are. Um, you know, they give up some points and the offense kind of stumbles here and there. But when they really, really turn on the Jets, they're, they're on another level. Yeah, I mean, it might just be their, the players are just so good in the scheme and the coaching. Um, is is so there that they can overcome that deficit but I, I think at some point that that game gets old um and they're going to come across a team that they're just not going to be able to dig themselves out of that that hole um whether they're pressing too hard or they make that one turnover when they can't afford to have a turnover because it seems a lot, a lot of times that the chiefs are making these comebacks and 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 they're getting all the dominoes to fall exactly the way they need them to. Um, but it'll be interesting to see moving forward what happens with them. Um, Jim, the Steelers and the Cowboys. The Cowboys were surprisingly in the game. Um, Gilbert makes the start. Actually played a lot better than most uh, expected him to. Gave him a chance to win all the way down to the last drive. But I'll ask you, Jim, the Steelers, was there anything to be concerned at with with that game in regards to they probably should have just run roughshod over the Cowboys and they didn't? No, I don't believe so because we know that games like this happen, even for good teams. There's always games. And, and it's possible they were just overlooking it because the Cowboys are so bad, you know, and the Cowboys, you know, maybe found a little spurt from Gilbert, you know, Tony Pollard, some of these guys who really want to prove something. And so I don't look too much into it. As long as you find a way to win, I don't think it really matters. Randy, that brings me to Ravens and Colts, man. Um, are the Ravens' defense just that good? Or did the I mean, Colts just, <clears throat> just not give them much? Uh, I think the Ravens' defense is pretty good. I think that the Colts' quarterback play is so subpar. 
with I think the running game's good, offensive line's good, but oh my goodness, don't even get me started on the quarterback play. How many kids does Philip Rivers have again? He's got like he's got like uh, let's see, a couple more than me. I think he's in on like number eleven. I didn't know this, but I was just going down the rabbit holes uh, on Twitter universe. I found out that Ryan Fitzpatrick has seven kids. Seven kids. You mean Ivy League Ryan Fitzpatrick? Yes. Unbelievable. Between him and Phillip Rivers, they could have a whole team. Yeah, let me tell you something, though. What was the guy that played for the Jets a couple years ago that he didn't even know the names of all his kids? Oh, Between those three guys? Oh, my God. Cromartie. Cromartie. I thought it was. I couldn't remember, but he couldn't remember the name. It was pretty funny. Hey, you should have done just like George Foreman. They're all George. Yeah, they're all George. I'll never forget George number one, George number two. That's right. Jim, uh, Titans beat the Bears. Closer game than some had thought. Some are on the fence with the Bears. I still think the Bears are really not that great. Um, But are the Titans good? Let me start with that game in general. Uh, That score is not indicative of what that game really looked like. I would rather watch any high school football game in the country than watch that game. Like, I still can't figure out how 24 and 17 was even scored. Both offenses were terrible for the most part. Like, when it was 17 nothing Titans, they still didn't even have, but like 100 yards of offense. I don't, I don't know what that game was. And you said the Bears, you know, the it's the jury's still out on it. I've seen flashes of them being good, but there's no consistency there. And with the Titans, I still believe in them simply because I know what they have at running back. I know that Ryan Tannehill canceling it. You know that A.J. Brown has emerged as a star. Defensively, you know, they pick up King, and then he makes a big play uh, first week. They did lose Clowney, though, which was supposed to be their big move and pickup. So, um they could potentially be there, but they need to definitely start putting together a full four quarters. Yeah, and when we talk about a full four quarters, Buffalo, Seattle, man, what a what a game. Um, Buffalo finally picks up the the win um, that they that big quality win that everyone said that they're they're missing. Randy is is Buffalo somebody who's legit, um, and with the loss, is Seattle still a contender? I think they are, and I want to talk about we we were texting about this Sunday, and the the fantasy aspect of this is that I have Russell Wilson and Josh Allen on my team, and of course I started Russell Wilson thinking, oh man, that's MVP candidate, he's going to put up big numbers. And then my guy goes out and puts up 45. Josh puts up 45 fantasy points, and I lose my fantasy game by six. Six, guys. I mean, so I think if anybody had had to put down a serious wager on who was going to outplay the other at quarterback position, they would have went with their money on Russell Wilson. So shout out to Josh Allen. You got to put some respect by the Buffalo Bills name. They're doing it on both sides of the ball. Uh, What did I text you was different about this game for Buffalo than any other game? They had both starting corners back. They, they do, and they and they look good. You know, they picked Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson never talked about this. The last, even though he is an MVP candidate and, and nobody's been harder on him since he's came in the league than me, Jim can tell you. Uh, he's kind of been looking a little bit uh, human the last couple of weeks, throwing them picks. So, 
they'll, they'll figure it out. I, I love Seattle. I, I love Pete Carroll as a coach. Hey, DK uh, Metcalf still doesn't look human, though, bro. He does not look human at all. And, th- hey, you just mentioned A.J. Brown and DK. Shout out to Ole Miss and Hugh Freeze for having those two dudes. My goodness. You know, it reminds me of – because they brought that up on the radio, and it reminds me because that team didn't do much, and neither did the LSU team that had Beckham and Landry. And so it's amazing when you look at those combos and think, how did those teams not win? It goes to show you that college football is all about the quarterback. Absolutely. Um, you know, I, I, I think – Josh Allen is, is, is starting to get some cred under his name. Uh, Russell Wilson, I mean, you could probably just chalk this up to, you know, not the greatest game for him, but uh, those guys know how to win. I think defensively, the Seahawks got, like, they're pretty bad. Um, yeah. So they, they have some work to do, which is very strange for us to even say that Seattle's defense is, is – some cake because there's no legion of boom over there anymore no not not anymore and and it shows so hopefully you know they can figure some things out because it it, if they're gonna win it all it's gonna they're gonna have to go through buffalo or somebody just as good if not better than buffalo so um they got to go to buffalo in january nope i'm good not even for free i wouldn't So, you know, flipping the script over to the NFC, the Giants and and the Redskins. All right, the the, the Giants, the Giants beat the Redskins, which you know, is Who are the Redskins? Great. Who are the Redskins, yeah. Daniel? Or okay, the Washington Football Club. I heard you as soon as you said it, Randy, you were like, "Who?" Who? So, the Washington Football Club, which is just please just change the name. Like <laughs> They've already come out and said they're not going to change it next season either. Well, okay, Washington Football Club. So I'm just going to leave it as Washington. That that team in Washington um, got beat by the Giants, which makes this division of football even worse than what we thought it was. When, when you think back in history, this has to be the worst group of teams ever, right? Well, whenever I think about bad divisions, it always – and this is going to bring up a harsh memory for Jim. The Seattle Seahawks, they won their division at 7-9. and nine. Everybody's like, oh, man, that team is terrible. They got a home game. They played against the New Orleans Saints. And the rest – I'm not even going to talk about the rest of it. But that was a pretty bad division. But this one, it's not even their record. It is the quality of play. And my goodness, oh, my goodness, it is bad. But at this rate – do any of those teams even win seven games? No, the over-under in Vegas right now is six. Oh, that's bad. That's, that's real bad. I mean, I guess they'd, they would be uh, six, eight, and one, the Eagles or something. I'm sure they're, they're, they're the odds favorite. Still. Yeah, I mean, the, it, when you look at the rosters, uh, especially with Dallas losing their quarterback, obviously, Philly should be ashamed of themselves if they don't find a way to win this. I mean, it's disgusting if they don't. Is it possible that the Cowboys find a way to win this division? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. So, at this point, I, you don't even want them to. You just want to get a good draft pick I, and let's move on. I'd like them to lose every game from here on out. Yeah. But, uh, but when it comes to good draft pick, like, like what what draft pick is going to make your team better? 
it has got to be somebody, in my opinion, defensively, but who defensively can you get right now that's going to make your team better? Right. There's not a, there's not a Bosa like waiting at the top. Correct. Like you got a lot of offensive players that are coming out and it's to me, personnel wise, it's not offensively personnel, especially if you get Dak back. Like I, I think you got the weapons that you need on offense. Like, do you think he's going to be back at the beginning of next season? Um, hmm. I don't think so, man. I don't, I don't think so. But then again, it really comes down to the next two months. And I say that because if he can get mobility and feeling and they'll start working a little bit of strength in the next couple months, and I think that's that's the baseline and you can actually start building from there. But if he's four months away from even being like able to do anything on it, like, yeah, I, I don't foresee him being ready to go, nor do I see him even being able to suit up and, and do anything in, in any type of preseason game to prepare him. In a contract year. Yeah. Don't even get me started, man. Like that's sucks for him. Um, it sucks for that organization. It, it is something that should have been done months ago, but I don't know whose fault it is, but I don't, I don't want to spend another breath on that division or any team in that division. So with that Vikings and lions are the Viking, like who are the Vikings, Jim? Like, cause I, I can't figure it out. Well, unfortunately they're the team that sends new Orleans packing year to year, but that's why I asked you that with all your saints gear on, I was hoping you would, you would, you would mention that. Yeah. But I think the thing that you have to look at is, you know, Everyone talks a lot about Derrick Henry and Alvin Kamara, Christian McCaffrey. But when you just talk about best pure running back, I don't know, is it Dalvin Cook? Because right now the game plan is there for everybody to see, and they cannot stop him. No team the last three weeks. Dalvin Cook is just on a tear. Yeah, well, I don't know if it's Dalvin Cook, but I can tell you who it's not. It ain't Ezekiel Elliott. I can tell you that right now. You said we weren't going to spend another breath on them Cowboys. <laughs> well, I lied. I lied. But da- Dalvin Cook, if the, the good thing I'll say, if we're talking about just as far as them running into the Saints, uh, I forgot what the streak is right now, but the, the Saints are somewhere around 60-something games straight without allowing a 100-yard rusher, which is beyond remarkable. Um, that's why teams abandon the run so early. They just they just can't run on the Saints. And so, if you know they're not going to beat us with the pass with passing on us, you know, and there ain't no Stephon Diggs with no Minnesota miracles, I think we'll be a okay against a team like that. But you know they're so far behind Green Bay. I don't know if they didn't bury themselves. Yeah, it's going to be tough. Um, you know, you you mentioned the Saints, but before we before we get to the Saints, Randy, I'll ask you Cardinals. Dolphins. Dolphins pick up another win. Tua, two and zero. But my question is more so for the style of play that they have. Is that is that a fun style? Is it going to be long term successful style with quarterbacks being able to move and, and run and, and do certain things? 
Yeah, I think it's the I think it's the way that the league is going. And uh, a stat on Kyler Murray: there's only one player in NFL history to throw for five thousand yards and have thirty passing touchdowns while rushing for a thousand yards and having ten rushing touchdowns in their first twenty-four starts. That's Kyler Murray. No Michael Vick, but Kyler Murray. I think they're fun. Uh, the style, I mean, everybody thought it's not going to work coming from college with Kingsbury, and he's proven that it worked. I mean, they're not leading their division, but they're second. They're fun to watch. I thought they had a shot at, to win that game. Shout out to the Dolphins for getting it done. Everybody thought they were going to be really red, and they're not. Uh, they Everybody thought when they go from Ryan Patrick to Tua, it was a bad move, and all they've done is win, win, win. So shout yep. out to them as well. When you look at that stat line, Randy, it's pretty remarkable that they lost. Kyler Murray, 21 of 26 for 283 yards and three touchdowns, no picks, and then 11 carries for 106 yards and a touchdown. It's pretty remarkable that stat line and came out with an L. Yeah, but yeah, they, what was what was Tua's stat line? Just curious. Was not it, near yeah, as good as Kyler. Yeah, 20 of not 28 not. for 248 and two touchdowns. But, I mean, that's – I mean, when we're talking about a rookie it's in a second great. game, that's solid. That's, but I think that's what it comes. That's what it comes down to. Were there any defensive touchdowns or defensive? Yes, score? there was. As a matter of fact, and that one was that was Kyler the first Murray. one. Yeah, he yep. fumbled yep. it away. So he did, and that, I, and I think that what the Cardinals haven't done, and Kingsbury's, I mean, fair or unfair, he's known for this. His defense has never been a strong suit of his. Hey, and do they play defense we, in the Big Twelve? <laughs> no. Do they? Is there a team that has won it all that hasn't played any defense NFL-wise, Jim? I feel like the, you, you have to have some – Did the the Rams' greatest some, show on turf have defense? I can't even yeah, remember. That, they were. They, they actually – yeah. They, I mean, they were a lot better on offense than they were defense. But, yeah, their defense was okay. Yeah, the, I mean, I, mean it, I can't really think of the one. Obviously, the Chiefs team last year, they weren't world beaters, but they made big-time plays when necessary. So, Yeah, I, I think that's what it comes down to. Your your defense can, can give up points as long as your offense can keep up with that production. But it all ultimately comes down to your defense knowing they have to make a stop, and they do. Yeah, and being opportunistic, if they get a chance at a turnover and scoring, like you were, we we're just talking about in this very game, and that's how Miami made the difference. Right. So, looking forward to this week's games. I'll be honest, guys. There's not a whole. I I put three games. Not. I don't even think they're notable or noteworthy. But, um, you know, we'll we'll mention it. Randy, you got the Colts and the Titans. You've said it before. The Colts own the Titans. Do they win this week? Death, taxes, Colts over the Titans. <laughs> All right, Jim. I'm going to give you a chance to talk about your Saints because I, I, I'm going to tie this into the Bucks this week. But let's talk about the Saints. You got your two minutes to talk and, and, and rant and rave about how great the Saints were. But one question that I do have for you in regards to the Saints this past weekend over the Bucks. To me, and this is just me, I feel like that is the absolute best that the Saints will ever be this season. Is that the truth? I mean, it's hard to say that it won't be because they were about as close as perfect as you could get. But I thought the question was going to be in regards to Taysom Hill's pictures with his shirt off 
<laughs> we we were gonna get to that, uh, but since you wanna <laughs> wanna jump the gun, and I'm sure there was a lot of premature things happening when you saw that picture. So, like, what what exactly was going through your head when when they showed him no shirt on? I mean, we're well, he'd, you have to take a cold shower. Did you have to remember like, this is a family podcast? Well, he had just he had just hurdled someone. He's already truck stick somebody, completed a pass, you know, caught a pass. And I mean, I had a fever, man. I was sweating. And then they showed this chiseled up picture, and I ran in there and told my wife, and I was like, I had that's that's the way to make it, you know, not look so bad. Sarah, come check out this picture of him. So then she can admire him, say something, and then I don't feel bad when I'm like, You right. Oh man. I'm not showing my wife that dude. <laughs> well, then they kept showing pictures of his newborn baby, who, of course, is cute. And so it's like, God, he's good looking. His kids are good looking. His wife's good looking. And then he's running over people. Actually, you know, I don't know that I like him so much. What a, what a prick. <laughs> hey, I saw something. And I, and I want you guys, this is live. We didn't talk about this before. I saw a tweet. And I want to know if you guys agree with it or not. That Tim Tebow. Could have been Taysom Hill, but better. Thoughts? Oh, no. No, 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 no. And, and forget the whole passer thing. Yeah. No, like, take that aside. I don't know that In the right – with the right coach, yes. Straight athlete on Sean Payton's team. Yes. No, look, one of the things they talked about – Chris Collinsworth talked about live on the game is this dude goes from meeting to meeting to meeting. His – it's not even just his work ethic, but his IQ. I don't know that – I mean, this guy is – when you talk about the definition of a football player, this guy might be it. Like, because he can play anywhere. And the, the idea that he runs – they literally said he has to run from meeting to meeting and be late and learn every position in the play. Like, you know, I'll ask you this, Randy. Since you asked the question, the plays that they showed – and he even had a tackle on kickoff, which he does a lot, where he was the first one down there and slung the, the return down. Can you actually see Tim Tebow going down there on kickoff return and being the first guy down there to make a tackle? Yes. <laughs> yes. I, imagine this. The Tim Tebow that lost to Ole Miss and gave that locker room speech. So that You know, that he would, ne- he would not lose again that season. I mean, I just think the guy – you know what? We don't talk good about Florida. Never mind. I got yeah, I got nothing. And, and, I got nothing more. Free and, Taysom Hill. Taysom Hill was the first Mormon Manziel like this year for BYU. He he was the first guy. But and, no, and all I'm right. not discounting Taysom at all. I was just it's just a question. That's but a, Daniel, that's a valid question. I I like that question. Daniel, I will throw this stat up and then go on my. I'll go with just one minute. But Taysom Hill was in fact the leading rusher of the game, which isn't hard because the Bucks only carried the ball four times, which is a new NFL record, by the way, um, for lowest carries. But he was the leading rusher in that game, even over Alvin Kamara and Murray. So, yeah, do your thing, big dog. But I told you that it was going to be a different look with the Saints having all their weapons, and it was. But I think the biggest difference in the game, and you and I have talked about it, and we'll see if Randy saw the same thing, the Saints taking what was underneath and being given to them, hitting the small passes, whereas the Bucks kept trying to force the ball down the field. And sometimes you can't overthink it. Sometimes you have to simplify it. And the Saints figured that out in that game. 
and they weren't allowing them to get pressure to Breeze, whereas on the other side they were getting to Brady every time because they kept trying to take deep shots. And so the Saints used all their weapons, 12 different receivers across the board, spread it out, dink and dunk, and it worked. Yeah, I, here, here's the one, the one thing that I noticed. The Tampa Bay defense that was highly touted going into the game was pretty much non-existent. The fact that Godwin was back didn't even matter. I thought Brady wasn't very good. I thought the whole offensive scheme, it looked as though Arians had a scheme and set plays and didn't want to deviate it and just kept running them. And I think they tried too hard to try to get Antonio Brown into the mix and just couldn't get him the ball. And I think that takes away from what you were previously doing. I think you should just, you know, generically get him into the game or authentically get him into the game by him just being open, whether it's short, you know, two or three yard passes um, or even what's open downfield, but they were trying to force balls to people. And, and it, once they got down, the pressure was on and then it just, it didn't get any better. So. And one of the things, you know, we've talked about this before and they, I love that they highlighted it during the game and we've talked about, you know, Lattimore for whatever reason, if he's going against nobody, he's going to get ate up. But if you put him against Julio or Mike Evans or Hopkins, he's going to do his thing. And they actually brought that to attention. But he owns Mike Evans, not even just as far as holding holding him from getting catches. He's in his head. There's a fight every game. And I love it, man. Uh, you know, for a DB, we've, we've talked to these guys. When you can get in a receiver's head and get him frustrated like that, um, it's awesome, man. So, you know, they were talking about that being one of the best rivalries, and that's one of the first things I look forward to when I watch them play is watching them two go at each other. So this week sets up the Bucks and the Panthers. Randy, is this a must-win for both teams? I think it's a must-win for the Bucks. I, I don't – I mean, what are the – it's not a must-win for the Panthers. I don't – I think they've kind of – accept it well probably not they're competitors you got c-mac back but it's definitely a must win for the bucks because they were super bowl or bust and i don't think the panthers had the same expectations yeah i think both need to win i think if yeah. if the panthers can win they're gonna expose some things that are glaringly wrong with tampa bay and it's gonna bring that division that much closer um so i, I think both teams really need to win but, I mean, obviously, I hope the Bucks win, and I think the Bucks will win because I, I just believe that they're a better team. But they're going to have to really do some things different than what they did uh, Sunday night. So the last game of, of, of any relevance is the Eagles and the well, Giants. That's not relevant, and it's, I'm only saying it because it, it, <laughs> the Giants win. They're tied for first place. <laughs> so – my, my question to, to Jim in regards to the Giants and the Eagles this week, if the Giants win, and you mentioned this earlier, how big of a, a letdown is it for the Eagles if they're not taking advantage of the Cowboys being weak and the division as a whole just, just being terrible? I mean, not to overreact, but don't 
the Eagles need to reevaluate everything across the board if at this point they can't take that division and if they're going to lose to a Giants team that clearly isn't that good. So, I mean, yeah, you know, they need to call Dallas Wolfolk and talk about, you know, reinventing themselves if they can't win this game. Yeah, I think that whole division needs to redefine itself. So, with that, we're going to move on to college football. Um, you know, and I'll, we got to talk about, you know, what, what did we learn this week? We had Florida over Georgia. Um, but, Randy, is Florida now in the conversation with being as good as Bama? Hell in my, in, no. Yeah, in my opinion, I still think there's, there's not a team in the SEC on that level. Hell no. In the words of Brady White, hell no. Hell no. But I think, in my opinion, the Heisman, he's not going to win it, but in my opinion, the Heisman plays for Florida. No, the Heisman plays for Alabama. Mac Jones. Dude, he has weapons way better than anybody in the country. I don't, I don't, hey, I don't care about that. I'm just telling you who's going to win. Hey, to answer your question, DB, they can't be on the same conversation with Alabama because the defense is still suspect. They played better against Georgia, but we've seen them several times. They're suspect. The offense is really good. Um, I'm, I'm still disgusted by Dan Mullen a couple weeks after. Uh, but, but, yeah, they played really well against Georgia. I think it's more of an indictment on Georgia than it was, on, you know, a plus for Florida, though. I want to apologize, Randy, because I know you said you didn't want to talk anymore about Florida, and I, I threw, <laughs> threw that one right at you. Well, you said we weren't going to talk anymore about that trash division either, and we did, so it's okay. Yeah, Twice. and I, I lied. I lied. Yeah. Sorry. It's okay. You know. Jim, BYU just beats down Boise State. Um, how good is BYU? I mean – as a non-Power 5, they're in the conversation is the best one with Cincinnati, and the rankings show that is they're one right in front of the other. But, you know, when we discussed it last week, you said if Boise State had played as many games, wouldn't it be basically an even match? And probably would have, and BYU showed that it was anything but, you know, busting their butt on the blue turf. I mean, and when we're you know talking about Heisman guys, like, Wilson's got to be considered – you know, that's where I got that Mormon Manziel from. I don't know who is the one that coined that, but I absolutely love that. But he was 22 for 28 for 360 and three touchdowns. He's been absolutely phenomenal every week, doesn't have any bad games. The question will be, you know, this was the only test they had on their schedule. So, if they're ranked, what, eight now, how can they possibly move up? Yeah, I I'd have to look at their schedule, but I I would guess that it's it's not going to be anything helpful to help them move up, especially now that you got all conferences getting ready to start and get lock uh, rocking and rolling. Uh, Randy, you got Indiana in the Big Ten. They're three and O. They're taking on Michigan State, who beat up on Michigan. If Indiana beats Michigan State, do they have a chance to beat Ohio State the following week? No. No shot. You know, Ohio State, obviously a lot of people say, oh, they're overrated, they're overrated, but they are on another level like Alabama is in the Big Ten. The talent is far superior to the other teams in the Big Ten. Uh, I I just – no, their quarterback play, Justin Fields, my goodness, the guy's been playing – 
next to perfect. And I think Indiana's dreams just – they get brought back down to reality when they play Ohio State in, the, in, in Ohio State. Yeah, so, Jim, USC, they have a come-from-behind win on Arizona State. Is USC – are they overrated or are they rated appropriately or – are they just going to be a team that we talk about and eventually they're kind of going to flutter away and then not even be in the conversation? I mean, Big 12, Pac-12, it's all the same. These teams every year, you know, with the big names, you want to believe in them, think that the program's back, and then they'll let you down. So right now I'd say the ranking's appropriate, but what do we got, a week or two before they end up getting beat by somebody they shouldn't? Yeah, I, I – I'd have to pull up their schedule. Let's take a look. So USC, you're looking at Arizona, Utah, Colorado, Washington State, UCLA. That's their schedule, and none of them are ranked teams. And But that's the problem. They'll lose to one of them. You're probably right. Even if, even if they win all of those games, even if they're undefeated, there's no way they can be in any type of playoff conversation, right? Or, is there a conference championship after the six games? Because then they would get a crack at Oregon if that was the case. Yeah. I, you had to, I thought you had to play at least eight to have a conference championship. I could be wrong. No, you might be right. I mean, that's what makes this whole thing weird, right? Like, I think Dan, that's what Daniel's getting at. How can you feasibly put any of these teams in, even if they look fantastic? Yeah. And then you got teams like Coastal Carolina and Marshall, and you know they're undefeated. I mean, but I don't think they're in the mix at all. They're not on the level of a Cincinnati or BYU just because of who they play. You know, Randy, I'll ask you, like Marshall, can you see them breaking into the top? No. Let's quote Brady White again. Hell no. Look, they're this is their schedule, man. They got Southern Miss. They're three and five. Rice four and three, UAB four and four, and Western Kentucky at three and four. I don't care if you beat those teams by a hundred; you're not getting in. Yeah, and same same thing with Coastal, Jim. Who do they play? I mean, do they even have a shot? No, they don't. But that's where we need to get creative, or not we, but the NCAA. Let's have a four four game playoff to get the fourth playoff spot between BYU, Marshall, Cincinnati, and Coastal Carolina. <laughs> Let's give go. me the shanty clears. <laughs> I think every year they should drop the the worst team in every conference and the winner the best non-power 5 gets to go into one of those conferences and give people an incentive to I don't know how it would work but it would at least give the non-power 5 teams an incentive to want to win and be good despite the fact that they may not get into a college playoff. Because if they could get into one of those conferences, then maybe they would. But there's a so, lot of logistical things that would go into that. There there are logistical things. but the, So you're basically, by taking that stance, you're assuming that if a team was in a Power Five, that it would even the playing field for them and that it's not on the school themselves? Mm. I mean, I know where you're coming from as a Memphis fan. I see where you're going. I'm just trying to pull it out of you. Yeah. 
I don't want to sound hypocritical and I want to sound fair to all teams, but no, I guess the the answer to that would be no. Like you, even though I guess, I guess what I'm getting at is something like that, that is out of the box, that is crazy enough to work, but not crazy enough to disrupt the whole system, but also make some equity and make things a little bit more fair and give people more opportunities. Cause the way the system is now, it's not fair for everyone. It's just, it's just not. So, um, you know, the last game on the slate was probably the best game of, of the weekend, Notre Dame and Clemson, Notre Dame finally picks up a big win. Um, you know, Jim, I'll start with you. Does this change any outlook on Brian Kelly? Is Or is he still a guy that can't win the big one, even though he just pretty much won a big one? I mean, it's hard for me to say because people who have a lot more college football knowledge than myself said that the win was – credible even with Lawrence being out because you know DJ I can't say his last name so I'm not even going to make an attempt and sound bad um <laughs> play played as good a game as you could have and so you know could Lawrence have played better I mean the all the answer should always be yes because I mean what we've seen before but they say that overall that Notre Dame just won that game outright regardless. So he deserves credit for the win. The team deserves credit for the win and they deserve the ranking they got. And so since those guys, like I said, know a lot more than myself, I'm going to have to give Notre Dame, which is something I never thought I'd have to do probably again in my lifetime because they always, you know, do a good job of letting everyone down. I got to give them credit and say that, across the board, whether we're talking about Brian Kelly or the team or the ranking, they deserve it. So Notre Dame, Notre Dame gets two first place votes. Who are those two idiots? <laughs> People who hate I mean, Bama. The Northerners. Pope, the Pope, probably one of them and the hunchback, probably the other. <laughs> but don't we know, but don't we know the reality of how this is going to shake out? I mean, Quasimodo was one of those votes for sure. Daniel, but here's the thing, man we know how this is going to shake out, right? Like, I mean, we can try to buy in and let's just say for the sake of the argument, maybe Clemson just isn't as good, but we know what's going to happen if they meet Bama or Ohio state in the playoff, they're going to get we've, railroaded. We've seen, yeah. We've seen that movie before. Let me ask you this is Texas A&M or Florida. Would they beat Notre Dame? Yes. Well, and the question I was going to – I was actually going to ask either of y'all about that. You know, in regards to Texas A&M, you know, they beat Florida, but because they lost to Bama, they could win out and not be able to play in the conference championship. Could they do what Bama did a few years ago? Um, or was it Bama – yeah, it was Bama because they lost to Georgia yeah. in the SEC championship, yeah, and get in. Nobody gets the benefit of the doubt like Alabama – Except but I'm saying Texas A&M would yeah, be the no, one. Yeah, no, no, no. I know. I don't. I don't think so. I, I, you know what though? Timing of loss always matters. So losing to Alabama early, absolutely. Yes, I changed my stance. Yes. Randy, being a money guy, does the brand of Notre Dame make them 
an easier easier pick. Yeah, hundred percent. Everybody, you know, we saw it. What, what was that back in like two thousand eight or nine? I don't remember the exact year when we saw Notre Dame and Alabama for TV. That's beautiful. Now, once the game started, it's not beautiful because they're gonna beat them down. Yeah, and I think that to Jim's credit, we would see the same thing again if those two teams lined it up. I don't, totally different. You don't have any of the same guys. No Greg McElroy and whoever Notre Dame had, but it would be the same movie over and over again. So I got to thinking, and, you know, we mentioned it last week on the podcast about uh, Brian Kelly being overrated or underrated, even with a win or a loss um, against Clemson, where would he still be? So I want to hear from you guys. I put together a pretty extensive list of coaches, and I need you guys to tell me whether they're overrated or underrated. And so we're going to start with Brian Kelly, and I'll start with you, Jim. Overrated or underrated? Mm. Wait, before we start this, is this like you can only pick? Is this like this or that? Is exactly like That's this or that. That's funny that you said that, Randy, because you, you heard the hesitation. I and did. I was, and I was fixing to say, can I say in between? And so then you just killed that. So No in between. Then overrated. Randy, Brian Kelly, over or under? Over. I agree. I think he's overrated. One win's not going to change me until you get in that playoff and you actually beat somebody. Then we 20, might start talking. 22 and 20 against top 25 teams. Overrated. Come on. Randy, Jim Harbaugh. Over. Jim. Overrated. Needs to go back to the NFL. I'll agree. Overrated. Jim, what about Clay Helton for USC? See, that gum is rule because, I mean, the jury's still out. Cause, oh. I'll, I'll give you the answer over. Overrated. Yeah. Come on, Jim. Oh, I thought you were answering for me. I'm going to, I mean, over then, but I just, I, it's hard because USC is just, it's not what it was. But yeah, over. So what about Manny Diaz at Miami? Is that Randy or me? Go ahead, Jim. I'm going to say underrated because he's been keeping them pretty relevant. I will say underrated given the fact that the guy they had before them was a much bigger name and much more prolific and didn't do Jack. And now here they are like, give me a couple more years and he could easily go to overrated. But right now I got him as an underrated guy. Overrated. Oh. I have a feeling Randy's answer to all these is going to be overrated. <laughs> Maybe. Right. Randy, Justin Fuente. Over. Jim, Justin Fuente. Man, get off the fighting Fuente. Man, no, he's overrated. I can't, I can't do my boy like that. Ah. <laughs> I'm going to say underrated. Underrated. Randy, your boy, Hugh Freeze. If the uh, I don't care how rated it gets, my man is underrated. Can I go X-rated? <laughs> I agree. Un- underrated. Underrated. Jim, Randy, who was the coach of those uh, wide receivers again? Ooh man, Hugh recruited them, but Matt Luke coached them. Uh, okay, okay, then we'll let it slide. Underrated. All right, this is going to be a tricky one. Jim, Mike Gundy. 
Fighting his, mullets. His hair is underrated, but his coaching is overrated. Randy, Mike Gundy. Overrated. I think Mike Gundy is underrated. Why? Because I think he's getting lesser of the talent than Oklahoma and Texas, and he's always in the conversation. I think he – Man, he's a man. He's a man. He's over – he's 40. Yeah, I think he's 50 now. (laughs) You're probably right. That was a while ago. Um. Oh, man, I'm doing it to you again, Randy. Dan Mullen, <laughs> your boy. I am going to go against everything that I've said because I think the guy can coach his tail off. I just hate the way that – oh, man, this is so hard for me. I, I, oof. I'm going to go underrated, man. What he did at Mississippi State and what he's doing, he's a great coach. Jim, Dan Mullen, under or over? Second that because Mississippi State was better when he was there and Florida's, you know, doing what they're doing now. I can't disagree with any of those. All right, Jim. Your boy, Les Miles. Man, underrated. Get off the Mad Hatter. I mean, who who can win at Kansas? Not even Nick Saban can win at Kansas. Apparently, he couldn't win at LSU anymore either. Yeah. Oh, that was rude. I'm just saying, he couldn't win enough. Let's put it but you know way. what? To make Randy happy, you know who he could beat every year and do it with some trickery? Florida. Very true. Randy, less miles, under or over? Overrated. Dude Dude won in spite of himself at LSU. I agree. Overrated. Um, Scott Frost, Randy. Man, overrated. Anybody that's claiming national championships, bruh, nah, overrated. I'm glad you said that because I'm going overrated, and it's solely on that reason alone. Like, I, I could care less, like, where he went, but – what they're claiming is just nonsense. Bogus. Jim, Scott Frost, under or over? Well, it's interesting to, to jump on what y'all are saying. He was pushing harder than anybody else in the Big Ten for this season. And when you look at the results, you're like, why? Like, this dude really thought that they were fixing to win these games. So, overrated. All right. Jim, Tom Herman. Overrated. I I couldn't agree more. Um, I guess he, this might be his – I don't know. Does Texas have the money? I mean, he's making a ton of cash. A they ton. got the money. They got the money. They got the money. Randy, overrated? Overrated. All right. Jimbo Fisher, Randy. Overrated. Why? Why is Jimbo overrated? I – I agree, but why? Okay. First of all, lightning in a bottle with Jameis and that Florida State team. So um, let's give him that credit. Then he goes to A&M and gets the, one of the biggest contracts in the history. So for everybody that's like, oh, man, they're winning down there. Bro, they were winning before. Anybody remember Johnny Manziel? He didn't invent football at Texas A&M. And for the get the kind of money that he's got getting paid more than Nick Saban, you better win like Nick Saban. Overrated. Jim, Jimbo, is he over or under? Man, Jim's take care of Jim's. His team is ranked six in the country, man. Man, it's underrated. I I had to pick one, and I'm I think Randy sold me on it. If if he's making Nick Saban money, 
the expectation is that you win like Nick Saban. Well, that's because you're not named Jim, and so you don't got to take care of the Jims. You're right. I mean, they they could go ahead and bring Kevin Kevin Stumlin back over there. It, it, it could have done the same thing. Yeah. Randy Kirby Smart. Underrated. Doesn't Kirby Smart remind you of like a a little like y'all? Did y'all have a my buddy doll? Bro, we grew up in the same hood. Yeah, I had a my buddy doll. Man, doesn't he remind you of just a a life size version of my buddy? My buddy, my buddy. Absolutely. Yeah, you don't even know. No, I didn't grow up in Fraser. We played with real toys. (laughs) Coming from the guy with toys on his desk. (laughs) Hey, man. Look. You know this guy? Do you know this guy? Because he just owned your team. Kirby Smart, over or under? Just because Randy said under, I'm going to say over just to dispute him. I'm going to go underrated. Jim, Paul Christ at Wisconsin, over or under? Hmm. See, this is one of the middle of the road ones. I, I want I want to remind you on one thing. Remember last year when we were making bets and we bet not the oh. house, but like oh, Wisconsin over. was the the team, and they absolutely got demolished. Yeah. That guy was the coach. Just so yeah, you know. we lost. That was the only game we lost in an eight-leg parlay that would have paid us like thirty-five hundred dollars. So yeah, you're right. Got to go overrated just for that. But you know, you know, he's not getting a chance. I will defend him and say right now he's got a squad and he's not getting a chance to defend himself. But you know, then again, hey, we don't know that he wasn't part of the irresponsibility that got all them them boys COVID. Correct. So, Randy, Paul, Chris at Wisconsin over or under? Underrated. Ooh, ooh, okay, okay. Randy, Mike Leach. Overrated, man. People get really enamored by this pirate shit stuff. I don't know, man. It's, if he wins, let, let's say this is a transition year and it's a funny year, but if he wins next year at a high level, like not saying he wins the SEC, but he is up there. I, I I think I'm going to go underrated. I think I am. Jim, Mike Leach, over or under? I mean, that man is underrated. He went into Death Valley when they were celebrating their national championship and put up 623 passing yards. I mean, this dude is the best coach possibly in the SEC. No, They haven't got that many yards total in their remaining games. <laughs> no, he's definitely overrated and – you know, I listened to Paul Feinbaum talk about it the other day, and he says that dude's not got a chance to do that air attack. Uh, you know, if he couldn't even get it going this year except for the one game, and teams are going to be prepared for it, I, especially SEC defenses, I don't see it ever working. Let's do rapid fire. We got four more, and I think they're four of the, the most intriguing ones. And I'll, I'll start with you first, Jim. Matt Campbell at Iowa State, over or under? Under. James Franklin at Penn State. Under. Jeremy Pruitt at Tennessee. Overrated. Overrated. 
Gus Malzahn at Auburn. It's overrated, man. His time is up. I cannot believe that dude has survived the hot seat that many times. All right. Same guys, Randy. Matt Campbell at Iowa State. All four overrated. Moving on. Over, <laughs> over. Hey, Jerry uh, Pruitt, that man did not stand up for his coach. Is it I all agree. because of Garantano? Nope. That's just the that's the most egregious part about him. He's wasting talent. Got to uh, – hey, overrated. Moving on. So this is the last question in regards to over and underrated coaches. Jim, who of the list of coaches that we have, or maybe there's one that, we, that we're missing, is the most overrated? I think we touched on it in detail. It's got to be Scott Frost. Randy, most overrated. Jim Harbaugh. I, I'm going Harbaugh. I think last week I pretty much cemented that, um, him being overrated. And I think we, we, we talked about the contract and the money. And, Randy, I think you mentioned that he he's just making too much money. But is Michigan one of those schools like Texas where they're just not going to care and, like, they're going to say peace out or they are financially tied and married to him? They're tied to him, especially because, you know, Michigan, and they always say a Michigan guy, uh, and he played there. And it's hard for me because I became a Colts fan because of Jim Harbaugh. I liked the guy, and he had so much success in the NFL, you thought it was a home run, and it's been a disaster. And you go look at his record, it's like, oh, it's not that bad. He doesn't beat any of the, his rivals ever. So that brings us to the upcoming games and predictions. So, Jim – I'll start with you, man. Can I, pa- can I pass? Because this game isn't working out well for me. Nah. You, you cannot pass, man. You got to answer these questions, bro. Uh, we told Dallas, like, this this ain't easy. This ain't the open book test, man. Like, you got to come with it. So, last week, you picked B or you, you picked Boise State over BYU on the Smurf turf. That definitely didn't happen. Moved your record to two and five. So for this week, who do you got? You know, I thought about getting bold in light of y'all, you know, being all over Harbaugh and taking Michigan over Wisconsin. But then I thought to myself, I really just can't take another L at this point. So I'm not going to do that. You can. And we don't pick heavy favorites, even though that would be a good way to get a W. That's not the way we play this game. We've talked about that. But I'm still going to have to pick a top 10 team being ranked because we did talk negatively about this coach, and you didn't. And I'm going to back you up, and I hope I didn't take your pick. But give me Virginia Tech over Miami. No, that that wasn't my pick. But if I wanted to have picked one, I would have just picked, like, you know – I don't know. There, there's a lot. There's a lot. I would have just took Ohio State, right, and the, and the points. But – that's not how we do it. So, Randy, you had actually two games that you picked. You picked South Alabama, and then you picked Florida over Georgia. So I don't South, remember the South Alabama pick, man. No, you did. He had a trifecta on the text that happened before the game. He's actually perfect across the board. Well, yeah. he actually picked – South Alabama, who lost, but you did pick Florida, who won. So I'm going to put your record as one and one. So who you got this week? Oh, man. 
I'm going to stick with the Memphis theme and give me Florida State over NC State. Florida State over NC State. So, do you think that's a quality win for Mike Norvell? Any win's a quality win for Mike Norvell right now. You're probably right about that. So, last week I picked the the Fighting Fallwells over Virginia Tech, and lo and behold, it happened. So, my record is now three and five. I mean, it's a it's a respectable three and five. Um, but when I look at the games this week, you know, there's there's a number of games where you could go maybe, I don't know. Um, the one game that keeps popping off the charts is that Boston College at Notre Dame game. And I keep thinking that this is the game. This is the game that Notre Dame is going to get beat. So, but I also think that, where is it at? While you're thinking, you know what game I should have took? Coastal Carolina to beat Troy and avenge that loss that LSU took to Troy because I'll never forgive them for that. For the I actually they almost me. picked Troy to, for that game. <laughs> so there's also Arizona over USC. Kevin Sumlin over Clay Helton. But I think to make things interesting, I'm going to go with Boston College beats Notre Dame because I just think that would be just funny. Funny and fitting. Jim, is that crazy? No, because Boston College almost beat uh, Clemson with Lawrence, correct? Or no, that was the game he missed, wasn't it? The first game. Yeah, he was out. Mm, Yeah, well – but, I mean, they do tend to drop games, and they could, you know, take their foot off the gas of that. I think even though it makes for a bad playoff, I think I'd rather them just make it to the playoffs and get embarrassed again. That's that's fun to talk about. All right, guys, we got last call. Jim, starting off with you, what do you got? What did we miss? What does the audience need to know? I don't know, man. I mean, don't we hit everything when you make me talk about golf? I mean – what left is there to talk about in the world when we talk about golf? Uh, I, I, I thought for sure you wanted to talk more about the Saints and Taysom Hill. I thought this was your chance. But. No, I, I like to keep those thoughts to myself, you know, keep them locked up tight. No, um, doesn't honestly, sound like it. <laughs> honestly, if I wanted to go final thoughts and bring it on something we hadn't talked about, I'd just talk about my continued dominance in fantasy football, you know, bro? Okay. I will say, I'll admit you beat me this week, um, but you were sweating going into the last game, and shout out Tom Brady. Tom Brady just just brought it. He brought his game that night, and it showed, and that's why I lost. Um, but Randy, what do you got for us? Last call, man. Last thing. Shout out to Texas A and M. Appreciate the delay on the L, baby. <laughs> yeah, that's worth mentioning since all of our teams aren't playing. Yeah, I mean, we're we're in a situation where Memphis and Navy postpone, LSU, Alabama postpone, Tennessee, Texas A&M postpone. And according to you guys, you guys are just escaping losses. And well, I, LSU I feel the same way too. about Memphis, but. 
LSU fans are all over the message boards today. They want this game to not be made up so we can just hold that win over them another year. And I agree wholeheartedly. Man, you better go ahead and get that L and get it out the way. No. It's, it's going to be wanna, real bad. Hang, it, could, it, it could be real bad next year. Alabama's burning and to get that – to avenge that loss, especially with LSU playing the way they're playing now. We're trying to duck that every way, shape, or form. All right, for me, last call, just, you know, really continuing the road to redemption. Alex Smith, it's probably not the way he wanted to become the starting quarterback for the Washington Football Club, but here he is battling his way back. He's going to start, and it looks like he's probably going to be the starter from here on out. So shout out to him. Hard work pays off. Um, You know, that might, like, be the conclusion of the story but wouldn't it be something if alex smith and here we go talking about that weak division again what if he brings them to the playoffs man what a story that would be but all right guys moving on to our new segments randy my man everybody's raving about how to get rich because they feel like you got all the answers so this week's randy's riches what do you got for us Obviously, I don't know if you guys heard, there was an election last week. Maybe you watched it, seen it on the news. Um, and everybody, a lot of people said, oh, my goodness, the stock market's going to crash if it didn't go this way or that way. But what we've seen is everything that we've known about the stock market this year has gone out the window. As we know, tons of companies have just boomed during the pandemic, and a lot have failed. So Monday, let's talk about some ones that have been hit by the pandemic. Airline stocks shot up. Delta rallied 17%, American Airlines 15%, Disney rose 12%, AMC 51%, crazy, crazy rise. Now, let's tie that back to the pandemic, though. Overall, AMC is still down 48% of the year, so even with that big gain. um, You also saw, could this be a precursor to us coming back out of the pandemic life? SL Green Realty, they invest in office buildings in New York. They were up 37% on Monday. The flip side is all the things, some of the things that have grown. Netflix down 9%. Zoom down 17%. Amazon, of all things, down 5%. And obviously, you know, DB, we talked about it. Uh, There's a vaccine coming out. Pfizer kind of on the front leg. We got some personal interest in Johnson & Johnson. So, those are the ones to keep an eye on. But just everything, like I said, that we've known about the stock market is out the window. The Dow was crazy going up. Stock market is definitely going to be something to watch over the coming weeks, coming months, as the presidential election is decided in court. And just to add to that, WWE stock up 4%. <laughs> the rich getting richer. That's right, baby. Jim, you ready to blow that whistle, bro? Yes, and Randy, I am going to go to the Ravens-Colts game. One, Marcus Peters. Most people should be aware who he is. And being that you're a Cowboys fan, Daniel, you're well aware of the argument on what a catch is. Well, the refs got it wrong again, and they got it wrong after review, which is beyond amazing again. Marcus Peters, for what appeared to be an interception against the Colts, But then upon further review and replay, he did not intercept the ball. But yet somehow, some way, 
the refs still gave them the interception. Now, whether this would have made a difference overall in the game, we don't know. But I'm blowing the whistle on the refs in the game. Not only did you get it wrong, you got it wrong after replay, and that's unacceptable. Shout out, Jim Cross. <laughs> get it. Get it. So, for me, I got my That's What's Up award. And, you know, I had to really vet this award for this recipient this week. So, I went to the guy who was the biggest fan of the Saints that I knew, and that's Jim Cross. And I asked him, I said, well, tell me about Malcolm Jenkins, because I don't want to throw his name out there and it be a mailman situation that we've had in the past, if you know what I mean. So he told me, good guy, as long as he doesn't run his mouth about Drew Brees. So I said, well, I run my mouth about Drew Brees, so he, he can't be that bad. So what he did, there was 300 poll workers in Philadelphia. He went and purchased them all lunch. He went and you know told them thank you through his foundation. Uh, had a personal meeting with them, just telling them, you know, how important they were and how he appreciated what they were doing. They were working around the clock in Pennsylvania to, to get the results and count ballots. So Malcolm Jenkins, that's what's up, bro. Great job. Shout out to you, man. Keep up the good work. Gentlemen, we've reached the end. Finally, we've, we're here. So, you know, I, I just – Great, great times tonight, man. It was a good interview with Dallas Wolfolk. I want to thank him for coming on the show. And, you know, I definitely plan on having him back. You know, they're going to have a season. I'm confident of it. Um, he's going to be a guy to watch out for and a name that everyone needs to know in the A's organization. If you like hearing us average Joes talking X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback is always welcome. Check out the website. Man, Jim's been crushing it with the website. Um, you know, we'll be back next week for Episode 5. We're going to be talking to Christian Salisbury from West Alabama. He is one of their star football players, and he's getting ready for NFL life. Um, but, guys, that's it. This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. Strong bodies, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time, guys. We're out.